श्री गौरी वैष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जाए श्री गोवर्धन पूजा की जाए श्री राज गोवर्धन की जाए गौर भक्त वृंद की जाए गौर प्रेम आनंदे Good evening everyone. Nice to be here with you on this auspicious occasion. We uh, spoke a little bit this morning about the Govardhan Leela in the context of initiation which is uh, a beginning, if you will, and an entry into what I sometimes like to refer to as the realm of ritual which is a realm that's kind of in between the material realm and uh, the spiritual realm wherein the spiritual reality is represented symbolically <clears throat> and so there's a different way of moving there and a different type of language and um, and we seem to be entering pretty deeply within it here as i entered into the house kind of a candle lit across from the baptist church here and <laughs> people waving lamps and singing songs in a different language about a story that uh might be hard to uh to uh demonstrate or prove the historicity of uh to, to demonstrate its reality in, from an empirical point of view and so forth rather strange gathering um <laughs> it reminded me for a moment of uh many years ago a god brother of ours Vishnu John Maharaj used to have a bus on which he had the deities Radha and Damodar and uh, one time he was parked i think uh maybe the bus was not uh, running that well which was was not an uncommon <laughs> event for those types of buses and um this was uh, when he was more uh, in a small group unto himself with a couple of other devotees um and so for a couple of days he was parked on some street corner in a suburb and he would offer the arctic to the deities and so forth and so then one day the police came banging on the bus door kind of a swap team swap team you know kind of a raid and they said where are the children and he said well what are you talking about where are the children we know you got them in there you know and then he thought for a minute and then he chuckled he said oh the children right he yeah. said and so he brought them to the altar and there was Radha Damodar and the people had said that this guy has got a bus and he's got two children tied up <laughs> and he and every night he burns them with a lamp or the lamp you know <laughs> so it's a strange world <laughs> um that we live in but it's uh it's potentially much more comforting than the so-called norm world uh, the, the normal world the, the observable world at least observable by by sense perception and uh and uh, reasoned about um so <clears throat> in this world in the world of ritual then we we enter into a realm where 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 mountains fly and have children and um turn into people and and there are long um 
cycles of time called yugas and so forth, kind of things that we cannot um, uh, demonstrate in today's world, and, and it, it almost appears as if we've demonstrated otherwise, and there's no such thing as as um, flying mountains and yuga cycles and long periods of time when Krishna and Ram and so forth performed their pastimes on earth. Of course, it didn't inhibit, that is to say, Rupa Goswami's believing in yuga cycles, inhibit him from attaining, experiencing, and distributing prema. So, we should not be too much concerned. Maybe if we're preaching a little bit, we have to fashion ourselves and the way we speak about these things in order to draw people within. But suffice to say there is something that uh, more than to the world, to reality, than what meets the eye hmm? and the mind. Hmm? And in short, it's us and all the possibilities that uh, lie within the subjective realm of consciousness. And that's what Gaudiya Vaishnavism really excels in. It um, picks up, really, where the, from like 101, the difference between consciousness and matter, um, leaves off. And the Govardhan Leela is just one of many examples of that, um, uh, a, a kind of a explanation of the heights of um, uh, the possibility that lies in the realm of consciousness. I'd like to say, uh, for example, that for the, from the Goswami's point of view, who, from whom we um, have come to learn about and, uh, uh, and through whom the opportunity to experience uh, Gaudiya Vaishnavism in its full has been um, extended to us, that uh, they were more concerned with the subjective realm, the subjective aspect of uh, of life. We have a subjective aspect and an objective aspect. In other words, we have consciousness, the experiencer, the subjective, the feeling realm, and then the objective world of, of matter. They weren't so concerned with gravity and electromagnetism and these kind of forces and so forth, but they were concerned with the, what, what they consider the real forces that govern life. Dasyam, Sakyam, Vatsalyam, Madhuryam. These were the, the primary forces and influences to reckon with. Hmm? And indeed they are, for everybody, um, whether they be uh, centered appropriately on Krishna, such that they can um, reach to their height, or whether they're off-center, and we love as a friend someone who cannot accept all of our love, or for reasons that are less than... Um, fully friendly. In other words, we may be friends for different reasons. We may make partners uh, for different reasons in, in, in so-called love. We may have um, adulterated, if you will, from the vantage point or comparison to love of Krishna relationships with others in terms of friendliness and romantic love and parental love and, and servitude and so forth. But still, they remain the dominant forces. Hmm? Someone may be preoccupied with um, the um, uh, some aspect of the material nature, the objective side of the world, 
in the laboratory or in the head or writing about it and so forth, but if his or her um, child gets uh, sick and has to go to the hospital, everything will be dropped and away he will go. So these are the forces really that drive the world and we, uh, uh, the Goswamis have shown us how to um, center them, if you will. Hmm? Uh, the very propensity that we have to love, the, the potential that we have to love. We, there is some ananda in our constitution. It's not a lot. Hmm? As we spoke the other night when I came to Winston-Salem, it's not enough to overpower Krishna. But um, if we become fortunate and are blessed by his surup shakti, the ingress of his surup shakti, then we have the power to uh, conquer, Krishna, conquer Krishna in love. So there, anyway, there's some ananda in us, so there's some potential for loving. It needs to be properly um, reposed. And from doing that in a ritualistic way, in a symbolic way, and in a, in a, in a somewhat rule-oriented way that, uh, that governs the realm of ritual, we can enter into the uh, lila that is symbolically represented there, the waving of the lamps and, uh, and so forth. It's not that this doesn't go on in the lila, but it, it goes on um, in a different way, meditating upon Radha and Krishna. It goes on in the lila in a different way. If the gopis will roll their eyes like this and try to take advantage of every limb of Krishna's body, try to take it all in with the limits of the two eyes that they cursed Brahma for um, creating uh, because they had to blink. Hmm? This is something we do unconsciously, we blink. We, uh, that means we don't know what is beauty or that these, these eyes are not suitable for experiencing beauty. They experienced the beauty of Krishna and so they noticed when they blinked. Hmm? that for that split second they didn't have that uh, experience. So would they look like this and they look from top to bottom and, and, and the, the heart is fueling that. That is like a, the oil lamp, if you will, and the eyes are rolling in auratic offerings. So uh, Giriraj Govardhan has many... Um, um, wonderful features. Mountains uh, are very uh, majestic and very um, uh, supportive of a lot of life. I always marvel to see, you know, from a distance the big mountain and think of all the life forms that that mountain is supporting. It's, it's very inspiring. Um, so Giraj Govardhan, of course, is, is, is no different. Um, perhaps something about his history would be uh, worth uh, mentioning. It's, it's said that he is the son of another mountain. <laughs> so here again we have mountains that have sons. Um, it's a beautiful idea. Um, I think his name was Dronachal. And um, for one reason or another, uh, he was um, crowned and considered and unanimously uh, um, thought to be the the king of mountains. Giri means mountain or hill, and Raj means king, Giri, Raj. So there he was then, um, 
it said that a, a sage, I think Pulatsya, was uh, in the vicinity and and he found Govardhan to be so uh, conducive for a contemplative life, the atmosphere that he provided. This is real nourishment. Mm-hmm. The mountains in general may nourish us of, uh, uh, or life uh, in terms of our material necessities, but Govardhan, in the vision of the sage, provided an atmosphere that nourished the, 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 the pursuit of internal life that sages are preoccupied with. So he wanted to stay with Govardhan, but um, he was on his way to Kasi, I believe, which is a which is a famous place for dying. Actually, dying in the right state of mind would be the idea. And there's a lot of thoughtful people there. It's a home of uh, of gyanis and um, thinkers and meditators and so forth. It's not a very uh, popular place for bhakti. So like, you can imagine that uh, Giriraj was a little uncomfortable with the idea of going there. But the sage asked the the father mountain and the, for the son and it was a custom in times gone by that if the sage asked for your son you'd, you'd, you'd give your son after all you know it used to be we'll have one son be a doctor or we'll have one son be a lawyer we'll have one son be a priest and we'll have all the bases covered something like that uh, one son will stay at home work the farm you know <laughs> um, so uh, it's not as um, out of an idea as it might sound today, to give away your son uh, to a sage, to become ostensibly a, a saint oneself, and thereby benefit the, uh, the whole family and for generations to come, for that matter. So, the Drona Chalki gave the mountain and mountain giri. Raj agreed uh, to go, but he made some terms that uh, as long as you keep moving, then I'll go with you wherever you stop for more than a in a certain period of time, then uh, I'll stay there only. So he went with the sage on the way to Kasi. And um, when he came over the Braj Mandal, the place of uh, where Krishna's pastimes would manifest, this is, of course, the eternal abode of Krishna that uh, is manifest and unmanifest. It's, it's in the means to say, it's apparent that it is such at times, and it's not apparent that it is such in times. During the time of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, it was not apparent uh, in all respects. And he and uh, the Goswamis uncovered it to its, uh, largely to its full measure at the time. And similarly, uh, Bhaktivinoda Thakur uncovered the Navadvip. His famous book, Navadvip Dham Mahatmya, reveals many wonderful things about Navadvip that were unseen, unnoticed, un- unknown uh, to others. So, revealing the Dham, our Prabhupada, of course, did that in his time then, some 500 years later. He made Vrindavan known uh, all over the world, the famous place. You can blame him for all the traffic there, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> best of intentions, you know, this is the way the world works. Um, so, it's again becoming covered, is the point, hmm? to some extent. And some are fighting to un- keep that uncovered, and that's uh, noble. But, um, at any rate, when he came over the Braj Mandal, he had to set the Giriraj down 
in order to answer the call of nature. And by the time he came back, the time had expired. And so here I said, I'm not moving from this place. And, and it, of course, he also weighed the sage down at that point also while he was passing in that area and, uh, and um, made it difficult for him to carry him any further. So again, he set him down, went to answer the call of nature, came back, and Girish had really chosen where he would like to be. So these are the uh, Puranic uh, histories um, with regard to the, uh, the king of mountains, far-fetched stories from an empirical point of view, but empiricism itself and reason itself as a comprehensive means of knowing is quite a, a fairy tale. Um, and as much as knowing means knowing how to act in such a way that one can become fulfilled, hmm? that one can really love, because that um, ananda that we are constituted of, satchit and ananda, has us continually on the on the uh, search, on the uh, on the prowl <laughs> for uh, for love. Hmm? I've often said that we cannot rest until we find love. And of course, when we find love, we can't rest either. That's another type of movement. So that is a simple way of explaining the nature of, of uh, Leela. If we can actually find real love, love of God, then we find that realm in which he who is everywhere hmm, is at the same time moving. And uh, to see him in Leela really is to see him... Um, Everywhere, Mahaprabhu Sri Chaitanya Dev exemplified this, mm-hmm. and in doing so, he uh, also taught us much about uh, Govardhan. While he was in Jagannath Puri, mm-hmm. in Antilila, the later part of his manifest pastimes, he saw a, a sand dune on a, an, on the beach area, a mound of sand, mm-hmm. and when he saw the the rise, the, the mound, hmm, he saw Govardhan. Hmm? When he saw the sea, he saw the Jamuna. Hmm? In other words, he saw Vrindavan everywhere. You know the story that I like to tell, I'll tell it again, of when I visited Gita Nagari with Prabhupada on the bus. We went from New York um, to Gidanagari. It was not an ordinary bus. It was one of those Vishnu John type buses with, uh, with Gornitai on the bus and, and uh, devotees cooking in the back and uh, uh, having kirtan as we rode along. And um, Prabhupada took some rest on the bus and he, and he was chanting. I was watching his chanting the whole time while he was resting. And, his fingers were moving, and uh, we got to Gidanagari, and we, we stayed in overnight, and at any rate, while we were in the barn, then uh, showing Prabhupada the cows, there was a mouse that scurried about, and there was a, a cat and a dog, and there were children and adults and so forth, and the mouse scurried, and everybody stopped for a moment, and Prabhupada said, just see, there, there was a mouse and the cat and the dog, and the calf and the cows and the children and the adults, everybody living peacefully. In other words, 
in his presence. The cat didn't run after the mouse, and the dog didn't run after the cat, and the children didn't try to stop the dog, and the adults didn't try to stop the children, and <laughs> so on and so forth. <laughs> and so uh, he was really taken by that. I mean, he was, he said, who uh, uh, was seeing Vrindavan? So this is Vrindavan. Uh, um, and then the next morning, then, when we got on the bus, I was standing behind, walking behind Prabhupada, and he turned around to me and he said, did you see it? And I said, see what, Prabhupada? And he said, there was the mouse and the cat and the dog and the, the children and the adults and the cows and the calves and so forth, all living harmoniously. This is Vrindavan. And then we walked a little further, and we got actually on the bus, and just before he turned down the aisle, he turned back to me and he said it again, did you see it? And he went through it again. There was the cat, the dog, and I said, I said, he said, that is Vrindavan. I said, Prabhupada, I see you, that is Vrindavan. <laughs> Wherever you see, that is Vrindavan, I see you, I'm always in Vrindavan. <laughs> My eyes are fixed on you. Hmm? So, little Guru Nishta, that can be very useful, very helpful for us. So, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu Nusve, he saw Vrindavan everywhere. This is the measure of his praying. When we develop gradually in our spiritual practice, we'll have some inner experience, no doubt. We'll have some beginning, horripilation, hairs of standing on end, tears in the eyes and so forth, some choking of the voice. This is the beginning. Either some abhas, shadow of bhav or actual bhav, some taste for the chanting, some attachment to bhakti and so forth. And, and gradually the equation starts to, starts to shift. Uh, for example, the difference between asakti, attachment to Krishna, the stage, the last stage of sadhana before bhava-bhakti is uh, entered into, and nishta, which is kind of the uh, the kind of the the top of the mountain that you're climbing of sadhana from where it's it's all downhill, so to speak, uh, into ruchi and asakti and the valley of bhava and uh, and prem. Um, the difference between those two points on the scale, on the ladder, hmm, is that in nishta, one will constantly draw one's mind back consciously from material thoughts, kind of a pratyahara, hmm, a withdrawal, hmm, a constant practice of withdrawal of thoughts that like the turtle, you know, the tortoise draws the arms within, something like that. It's a, it's a conscious effort and it, it, the application of one's uh, intellect that has been uh, spiritualized by acquaintance with Shastra and so forth and uh, the, the example of sadhus, the instruction of the guru that uh, they guide our lives. In Asakti, on the other hand, hmm, the mind goes in the same way, spontaneously to Krishna. One has to draw it back in order to, to appear intelligible uh, and sensible and and conscious of the world uh, uh, around one. I used to watch Prabhupada kind of wrestle himself down to, to talk to us from another um, realm. So things get easier as we go along. <laughs> uh, and so entering into bhava. And then bhava is a really a cultivation of the dominant sentiment that has uh, dawned 
in our heart, that particular influence of the Surup Shakti. Uh, 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 Rupa Goswami says, Prema Suryangsu Samyabhag, uh, Sudha Sattva Vishesh Atma. The Sudha Sattva means the pure uh, existence, the Sandini Shakti. On this plane, this uh, uh, Leela with Krishna is enacted in different ways, and those different ways is a particular combination of what's called Samvit and Ladini. A certain kind of knowing, like I know Krishna as my friend. I know myself as the friend of Krishna. I know myself as the lover of Krishna. And then there's a corresponding ecstasy, Ladini, that, that reaches a certain level of excellence, if you will, and intimacy. So, Sudasattva, Visheshatma. Visheshatma means this particular combination of Sambit and Ladini on the plane of Sudasattva uh, or Sandini Shakti. These are all the elemental constituents of, the, of Krishna's internal potency, that bhakti, as I was saying the other night when I first arrived, is constituted of. Bhakti is a grace, it's a gift. It's not our right. Hmm? It's a blessing that comes to us. And it is a shakti, a tattva. A, a, um, there is a bhakti devi. Hmm? And so, when this reaches, when this is is churned and cultivated, this ray, if you will, of the of the sun of prayam, as Rupa Goswami uh, describes it, then the there starts to be a, a tipping points in one's life, where in the, the the kirtan, for example, will cause one to tip in the direction of of losing uh, external consciousness and real remembrance. It's, 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 it's called smarnam. It's a very nice idea. It's meditation. It's dhyan. But we call it smarnam. It's a remembering. Because it's not that you're remembering something that, um, that you once had, uh, but it's, it's, like, it's like going home. Because you are coming to, to, to approaching your full potential. So it feels uh, familiar. Hmm? Uh, you're in home, home, homeland uh, of the heart. Hmm? So it's it's the experience is like remembering, like yes, this is where Prabhupada called it one's original position, something like that. All that one could be. It's very, um, um, very, very, very comforting. Brings one to tears to think it's it's oh, one thing is over. That other life is over. It's over. It's ended. Hmm? Those kind of tears are washing the remains of that way hmm? and giving us the different eyes to see. So as we progress in it, it will reach a certain point hmm? that that which causes one to go into that internal state becomes m- more and more minimal. Hmm? First it had to be a kirtan and it had to be a good kirtan. Hmm? Not one that was off-key and out of sync and, uh, and, and so forth. Uh, or that the deity will be beautifully dressed um, to, one, to one's eye rather than um, not so well dressed as one might think, uh, although he dresses himself. <laughs> so when you come to really be acquainted with that, then he's always looking good. Hmm? 
he looks better than the devotee uh, who dresses him to, uh, to, to the eye to eyes that that can see. So at any rate, the, the, the what the elements, the extent to what what is necessary. Therefore, the idea of seeing the cloud, the rain cloud, hmm, and the devotee passes out into prem. He tastes rasa. It's uh, these become udipanas. Then means uh, just like let's say I love my daughter. Hmm? I always loved my daughter, but maybe I come home one day, and she's been away, and I see her shoes at the door when I come in, and then my love for my daughter swells up so much. Oh, she's here, and the shoes become a kind of a, an impetus. Uh, they inflame and ignite that. Uh, the coals of my love that are smoldering and burning into a bright uh, flame. So, uh, as one reaches from bhava to prema, then the uh, we we hear about the, the, the rain cloud or the, the the sound of the flute of Krishna or whatever it may be. It tips the scale, hmm? and the emotional reality reaches a certain peak of. Rasam, Anandam. Hmm? This is our ideal. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, of course, he exhibited this. So when he saw a mound of sand, he tipped, it tipped the scale, and he found himself really at Govardhan. Hmm? There is a power in that uh, bhava. That bhava is constituted of Surup Shakti. So when it comes within the devotee's heart and, and causes this kind of a transformation, then he or she naturally projects that bhava elsewhere. Hmm? You can, for example, let's say you go to Vrindavan and somebody says, you come here and give me one rupee and I'll show you Krishna's footprint. Hmm? And so he shows you a rock and there's kind of a footprint and you go, yeah, okay, that's Krishna's footprint. And for thousands or hundreds of, let's say hundreds of years, it's been thought to be Krishna's footprint. Um, they might be making it up and just have grabbed a rock, but oftentimes it's not, that's not the case. Some devotee looked there and said, there's Krishna's footprint. And somebody else said, I'm not sure about that, but you know, well, here is a self-manifested deity. Is that There's a shape in the rock and it kind of looks, yeah, it could be in a shrink of day. Uh, you know, it might be. So yeah, the point is that that devotee saw that. Their bhava, his or her bhava, caused them to see that. And that bhava has been projected there, and that bhava and Krishna, they correspond. Love of Krishna and Krishna are one. Hmm? There's no meaning of Krishna without love of Krishna. There's no meaning of love of Krishna without Krishna. They're one and different at the same time. Radha is love of Krishna personified. Hmm? The perfect shelter of love, and Krishna is the perfect object of love. She reveals him, and so so, Krishna corresponds with the love of the devotee. So that may not have been, in one sense, Krishna's footprint. But then, what is and what isn't? <laughs> what is reality and what is not? What Sukadev saw in the Bhagavatam, how he saw the world. We would rather see the world, really, like Sukadev saw it, than... Um, then through a telescope. I mean, he saw rivers of mango juice and, 
and so forth. We might not be able to find them with our naked eye, but with an eye anointed with the salve of love, then what possibilities lie there? As I've often said, love turns faults into ornaments. That is very extraordinary. Mother called her blind son Padmalochan, lotus eyes. Out of love for him, she saw the blind eyes to be beautiful. So, again, these are the forces, the force of love, of prema, the potential of the jiva in the context of, in the context of having the right association to achieve prema, to love, possibility of love. These are what the Goswamis were concerned with. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu uh, exhibited that love to the extreme. They sought to write about him and try to place him in the context of the sacred text of Revelation and explain what he was about. And he saw a, a mound of sand and he thought it was Govardhan and it was Govardhan. Hmm? He went to Govardhan there on the on the you know the beach in Puri he actually went to Govardhan it's a very beautiful leela there he saw Radha and Krishna entering the cave of Giriraj this is this is Giriraj meditating on Radha and Krishna within hmm? Giriraj of course is Krishna and he's the best uh, servant of Krishna both things not too hard to understand. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Krishna, and he's the best lover of Krishna, best devotee of Krishna also. Hmm? So we'll maybe talk a little bit more about that, but first, what he saw. He saw Govardhan, he saw Radha and Krishna entering a cave, and he saw the Sakis, uh, gopis, attending to them, and they asked him hmm, to bring some flowers to them. He this is where in this particular leela where Mahaprabhu, who is Krishna himself, seeking the bhava of Radha, hmm, tasted what is sometimes called manjari bhav, babulasrati. Hmm? Uh, he saw himself as the attendant of the of, of the uh, of the of the sakis rather than. Um, directly consorting uh, with Krishna. This is the way, if you will, that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu made the highest experience of love that Radha has for Krishna available to uh, to all of us. Hmm? And this is the one example in Chaitanya Charitamrita where he is, has, has tasted that, has, 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 has glimpsed that. This is the ideal of Rupa Goswami. So he saw the sand dune and it and he and he saw Govardhan. What is the power then of Baba? We would rather live in that world of of so called superstition and myths and uh, and uh, and that which is not empirically demonstrable and uh, and is much more happy and fulfilling and um, enables us to realize our potential for love. When he went Chaitanya Dev to Vrindavan itself, he, of course, um, circumambulated the Govardhan Hill. When he saw the hill, he sang a song from Srimad Bhagavatam, 
from the uh, section of Bhagavatam often referred to as Gopi Gita there, I think, chapter maybe 25 of the 10th canto. He, uh, the gopis are singing the praise of Krishna's flute. And in the context of that, Govardhan is glorified there as the best of Krishna's servants, Haridas Varja, hmm? the best of Krishna's servants. And the Goswami commentators have said, this is Radha's voice in this particular verse, singling out uh, Giraj Govardhan as the best servant of Krishna. So he is Krishna, as I said earlier, and he's the best servant of Krishna. He's Krishna from the point of view of, when we look at it from the point of view of Tattva, hmm? and from the point of view of Radha's Bhava, where he's seen as the best servant. She's seeing him with all of his uh, uh, waterfalls and flowers and birds that are uh, as I said, mountains nourish so much life. Birds that are nourished there that, that chirp, and uh, and uh, on on the basis of the configuration of the mountain, the breezes hit it in a certain way, and so forth. So she's seeing the chamara fan of the wind and the birds chirping as the song uh, uh, that, that, that it will, will accompany the the seva puja and the waterfalls as uh, the bathing or or Giriraj's tears as he worships um, uh, Krishna, uh, uh, the caves as the, um, the altar, hmm? like the cave of your heart, you want to make an altar and place Chaitanya Mahaprabhu there. Anahar pitacharim charat karnayavatina kurosamarapaitam unatodra rasam sabakti sayam hari puratasundra dhuti karambasam dipetra Sadhardeakandare Spuratova Sachinandana. Make a make a place in your heart, the cave of your heart. And the lion like Chaitanya Mahaprabhu let him dwell there and roar loudly and all the elephantine uh, vices will would have taken root there in that field of the heart will all be chased away, something like that. And then there will be room for Rudval Prem. Hmm? Ujjval rasa, to enter the heart and take over one's life. And this, Rupa Goswami's, Rupa Goswami's verse says, that is a rare, very rare thing, anarpita, charim charat kurunayabhatina, anarpita, not bestowed, anarpita charim charat kurunayabhatina, samarpitam unatulzarasa, that which is not bestowed, for a long, long time, is bestowed in a big way. Samarpitam, unatodararasam, sabakti striyam. The bhakti of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was about, this is being bestowed, this, this gift, this opportunity is being given. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu chanted this verse when he saw this, the verse of Radha. He went into the bhava of Radha in Vrindavan, he chanted the verse, Glorifying Govardhan. He chanted that verse in Puri also. Hmm? And there, Giriraj Govardhan is talked about, as I say, from a kind of the point of view of Radha's Bhav, as the best servant of Krishna. She's the best servant of Krishna. She's the best lover of Krishna. But then she will project her Bhav on others and say, oh, you're the best. And, 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 um, there's some 
objective reasoning that's given as to why Giriraj is the best. Like I said, he's got all the ingredients for the 64 items of Seva Puja. When we do the Seva Puja, then there, there's the bed and there's the mirror and there's the bath and the fan and all these items that are that are um, brought to the uh, to, to, to the altar and so forth. And Giriraj has all of them. Some very beautiful poems, Gopal Champu, in the writings of in the writings of Jiva, uh, as Jiva Goswami, in the writings of Raghunath Das Goswami, uh, glorifying Govardhan and describing all of the um, natural kind of elements of the mountain, and how they correspond with all of those sixty-four items necessary and in, that are employed in the realm of ritual. So again, as I said, the realm of ritual is a symbolic representation of the life of love of God in Vrindavan. There, there is just some um, some distance. It, it distance that realm distances us from the material world because it, it implores us to forego what meets the eye. Don't be too concerned with that, with what meets the eye. That will not help you. Hmm? It may help you from being a religious fanatic, and that's important. Hmm? We don't want to be a religious fanatic. We don't want to be a non-thinking devotee. But we don't want to become a non-devotee either by thinking too much. As I said, we should exercise our head so as to soften our heart. That is important. We can exercise our head and our heart can become hard. We can think all these things. Come on. Science shows that people were born in Africa. Civilization came from Africa about so many years ago. What about how are all these yugas and what we get lost in all this? This is not uh, very useful for bhajan. Hmm? We've been initiated. We are entering the realm of ritual and re- and reality, higher reality, and uh, uh, it's a uh, uh, it's a more charming world, and it's a more substantial world as well. Mm. And that world therefore distances us from the world, uh, the limited world of sense perception and reasoning. Mm. It's a very kind of superficial uh, analysis and acquaintance with reality that we can glean from these uh, faulty uh, instruments. Hmm? If we, rather than rely upon them in in, in what would be a kind of um, a self-effort uh, approach, we shall fold our hands and uh, close our eyes and hope with our hearts when we look, like I said today, at some powerful manifestation of nature and we think, oh, the world is great, I'm small, it's so big, it's so vast, then we, we, we it, it should conjure up some faith in us. But what, how can I know, how can I, how can I proceed with some, the mystery of life, really, uh, fosters a kind of faith. And, and life is mysterious, so faith is reasonable. It's reasonable in the face of the mystery of life, which is extraordinary. I mean, no matter how far away you, you, you look at it or how close you look to it, whether it be through the, 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 the telescope or the, 
or the or or the microscope. You know, they looked at the world with the, with the what is it called the Hubble Hubble scope telescope or something like that, and they used to think there was one galaxy, right? And now they think there's 500 million galaxies, based on the. Uh, so it's mystical. I mean, it's it's mysterious. It's vast. It's it's. Uh, and if you look on the other side in the, to, to the atom, then it's so this the mystery of life sh- should naturally foster a kind of faith. Of, in other words, if I'm to proceed, I can't know. I can't know it all, hmm? but I need to know enough to get by. And so I have I kind of proceed with some faith that. It will all work out, or I'll figure out what I need to know, or something like that. In other words, the more we penetrate truly on the mystery of life, and the more we become sure that we cannot demystify it, and uh, there's no need to. That would be to make it less than, than, than what it is. To take the mystery out of everything is not uh, possible. We will proceed with uncertainty. There's kind of a certainty in being comfortable with uncertainty. This is the, the initiative we'll experience this. The road, as I've said before, that was narrow for the Kanishta Adhikari in the intermediate stage becomes, uh, it was, I, I should say it was, it was narrow and it, and it looked straight. In the beginning, it's a narrow road. You just do it like this, and you go straight there. It's real easy. Hmm? Now the road has become well. It's winding. You could say it's it's winding, hmm? but it's straight also in another sense. But it's not narrow at all. It's very broad. Hmm? It's become straight in the sense that it's so broad that the curves are taken out. It's like. Something like that. It's uh, it's very broad, and it's and so we're we're all we, we're constantly learning, we're constantly um, finding out new 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 things, and so it's a humbling experience. So it's, there's an openness that comes to this. Mahaprabhu characterized this stage by by humility, hmm? not by knowing it, knowing it all. Hmm? Knowing it all means it's said in the Upanishads, one who says he knows Brahman does not know Brahman. One who says he does not know Brahman, he knows Brahman. Hmm? So, anyway, the realm of ritual, as I'm saying, it, it takes us away from this world of false knowing and arresting the whole thing within the fist of our, our intellect, taking the mystery out of life. And then uh, to the extent that people think they have done that, they find life largely not worth living either. Hmm? They question if there's any meaning to their own existence, even. So this is not a very fruitful approach to life in terms of the pursuit of happiness. Hmm? Enter the realm of ritual. We distance ourselves from that. We're still some distance from the realm of ultimate reality. We're in a symbolic representation of that. But don't dismiss that, because as I say, that carries into the world. It's a symbolic representation of something that's going on there, in the context of the Leela, all this archon is going on, and the lamps are moving, and Giriraj is doing a big puja every day, that Krishna and Balaram come into the forest, and all the birds chirp, and the water pours, and so on and so forth. Um, 
So there we want to uh, reside. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is trying to take us there. And he taught us personally. I've cited two instances in which he reflected on Govardhan, experienced Govardhan, directly seeing the hill and, direct, and seeing the hill through his bhava in the, in the, in, in, by looking at the sand dune. Hmm? And later, after he returned from Vrindavan, a devotee gave him a stone from the Govardhan hill. Hmm? And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu took that stone and he used to worship that stone. He was given a stone and he was given a little mala, a little like rosary, a garland of beads, uh, kind of a, <coughs> a bead, a seed, a gunja mala, sewed so, so together with you know, a hole drilled in it and that kind of thing. And so he used to carry, he used to wear that gunja mala around his neck and he used to carry that shila, perhaps in a, around his neck also, and then he would worship the shila every morning by bathing it with his tears. Hmm? He considered that stone to be Krishna, himself hmm? and he and later he gave the stone to the whom we call the Prayojan Tattvacharya of Gaudiya Vaishnavism the Acharya of Gaudiya Vaishnavism whose writing has focused on the Prayojan the, the ideal the goal Vasananda love of God Raghunathas Goswami he gave the stone to Raghunathas Goswami and he instructed Raghunathas how to worship that stone hmm? We don't have to wonder how to worship Govardhan. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was personally taught Raghunathas Goswami and ostensibly by doing so he has taught all of us. An interesting story in this connection, years before the Chaitanya Charitamrita was published in English with Prabhupada's commentary, one of my godbrothers, Yashoda Nandan Maharaj, uh, got two stones from Govardhan Govardhan Shilas. Shila means stone. And uh, he he brought them to Prabhupada and he said, Prabhupada, I have these two stones from Govardhan and it is mentioned in the Brahmanda Purana that the stones from Govardhan are worshipable. I bring this up because you see the progress. I mean, everybody here knows that the Giriraj is worshipable and these stories from Chaitanya Charitamrita I'm telling many of you know and so forth. But we didn't know any of those stories at the time. And he had... Yashodanam had the propensity to read some obscure books like the Brahmanda Purana. <laughs> you know, there he found that the stones and so of, 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 uh, of Govardhan were worshipable. So he showed him the Prabhupada. He said, Prabhupada, according to the Brahmanda Purana, the stones of Govardhan are worshipable. Prabhupada said, oh, really? <laughs> huh. And, well, if it is in Shastra, then I, he said, I, I guess well, you can do that. Hmm? <laughs> and Yashodanam told me this story. He said, and Prabhupada, Prabhupada picked up one and looked at it, and he said, now, yes, if it's said in Shastra, then they can be worshipped. Of course, Prabhupada knew all the whole... You know, he was probably pretty, pretty humorous as to how central this is to Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Pujapad Sridhar Marsh had a Govardhan Shila, and he said that he was worshipping the Shila in, in Navadweep, in his place that became his place of, of bhajan, and he eventually, with Prabhupada's help, Prabhupada gave the money to build and finish the temple of Sridhar Marsh's in Navadweep. He used to say, and our, our temple is built on this stone of Govardhan. This is the foundation. Hmm? This is the foundation that the, that the whole temple is, uh, is arisen on. Firm, firm ground, something. Um, yeah, I think that uh, maybe the area of Gupta Govardhan. Hmm? 
hidden Govardhan, like Nabadipa's Gupta Vrindavan, hidden Vrindavan. So it's very, uh, it's, it's very central. We, we talked about the Leela this morning in the context of Shraddha and Sharanagati that the Leela is all about. Shraddha means love, uh, faith in Krishna alone and foregoing all the other uh, gods and goddesses in terms of thinking that they will sustain us or that anything other than Krishna will be our, our, our maintainer. This is the entry level to, uh, to, to Bhakti Marg. Sarvadharman pritta mamikam sharanam braja taking shelter of Krishna alone, not Indra, not look to him for our maintenance and so forth. So, Govardhan Lila is, is, is very significant. It, it, it exemplifies Sharanagati, among other things, and Sharanagati and Shraddha, faith, they have a correspondence. Faith is not idle. It has to translate into action. Uh, Gita says, what is that verse? Shraddho ayam, ayam purushaha. A person is, there, his or her faith, so we are living, what is our faith? That is our life. Hmm? So Govardhan, Govardhan Leela, very uh, significant, and you probably must have found it kind of humorous that, yes, that's according to the Brahmanda Purana, you can worship. So to end that story, uh, briefly here, Shodananamarsh told me that just after I left ISKCON, hmm, and I had met him in Toronto, and he said, I said, I want to visit you tonight, I want to give you something. I said, okay, I want to give you a gift. So he came in the night, and then he told me the story. He said, I had these two stones, and Prabhupada picked up one and looked at it and said that, and I'm keeping the one that he picked up, and the other one he looked at, I'm giving to you. And so I have that stone on our altar. I've been, uh, we've been worshipping him since, uh, along with the Gunjamala, as Raghunath Das Goswami was instructed by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to do. Mahaprabhu told Chaitanya uh, Raghunath Das Goswami that this stone is Krishna. Mm. And this Gunjamala represents um, Radha. Mm. So Raghunath Das thought, I've been given a place at Govardhan in the service of Radha mm. by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. This is my place of eternal uh, residence. And uh, he worshipped uh, with uh, Tulsi Manjaris and uh, water and some sweet every day. Very simple. This is uh, a, a very ingredient um, uh, less light, ingredient light type of worship. Uh, if you're going to worship the, the Shalagram, that uh, from the Gandaki River, where they come, uh, the Vishnu st- st- stone representing Vishnu, then what, uh, which the Brahmins worship with all types of um, concep- religious conceptions. Uh, it may be a fruitive conception. Uh, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur once made a diorama to illustrate this. He, he, he made a diorama, like a clay diorama, which is very artful in his time, you know, it's like very um, using the, big, pushing the envelope of modern modern technology to explain Gaudiya Vaishnavism. It would be like in our times making a multimedia kind of a display. So he made these dioramas and he would invite people to festivals and the dioramas would depict different aspects of the philosophy. So he made this one with a Brahmin 
with a shalagram in his hand, the black uh, stone, and a and a nut, a pecan or something, or in the other hand. So he was saying that this shalagram they're using as a nutcracker. In other words, they're worshiping the shalagram, but all they really want is to fill their belly. Hmm? And so they worship the shalagram and open a temple, and then they get people to come and. People pay money and they make a living like this and there's no love of God here and the, the shalagram feels like I'm being used as a nutcracker. <laughs> Even though you're offering me all these items, doing it perfectly and so forth, your heart is somewhere else. And that's what I want. I want your heart. Hmm? Well, Das Goswami had given his heart. Therefore, Mahaprabhu gave him the Govardhan Shila and he said, you don't need to have an elaborate worship like this. Hmm? You have bridged the gap between worshiper and worshipped. In the realm of ritual, there will be some distance between the object of worship and the worshipper. Hmm? Therefore, we do worship. We worship the object. And then we close the doors. And we get on with our life. And we open the door. Change our life. And so forth. Well, Das Goswami had transcended that. He had become the worship. That is what we call love. He had become one with the object of his worship, of the gap was bridged. This is intimacy and love of God. This is Rag Bhakti. He was qualified to 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 tread the path of Rag Bhakti. The qualification of which is not only Shraddha, faith, but Lobamai Shraddha. Shraddha that is filled with Lobha. With Loba literally means greed. Mm-hmm. Greed for Krishna. Greed is kind of unbecoming, right? He's a greedy guy, you know. Uh, something like that. It's an interesting word because it's unbecoming, it would be thought in Vaikuntha, to worship Krishna like that, tying him to a mortar, hmm? chastising him. Hmm? He's God. That's unbecoming. But her greed, Isodomai, her lalasa, lalasomai, hmm? filled with this kind of greed eagerness that causes one to to to, to, to forego the, the the rules that are meant to foster that to transcend those rules and as I say to bridge the gap between object of love the worshiper and worshipped this is this is rag bhakti he had he was filled with this kind of love and so this kind of greediness uh, janma what is it Yes, difficult to obtain this. And Das Goswami, he set a good example. We can see he was greedy for Krishna and he had no greed for anything else. See how he joined Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm? He was so eager, eager, greedy uh, to, to join Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, but he was constrained. He was Mahaprabhu, but he was constrained by family ties, a wealthy family, actually. Hmm? So he was a boy who had everything. And they, 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 they had servants for him and cooks and whatever you could possibly need that you wouldn't have to go anywhere and do something crazy like we like Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, but I mean to go follow him like that. He's a little mad also. You know, as a child he, he did these crazy things. His poor mother, you know, had to deal with that and and, and, and so on. Then he's going to take a sannyas at 25 and now... Uh, and so on. So they wanted to protect Raghunath Das from this kind of thing. They, they shackled him, if you will, with the handcuffs and the, the, the chain, ball and chain of family affection and material prosperity. 
but he had no no charm for it whatsoever. So under Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's instructions, he looked for an opening, a window to get out. Hmm? One day his guru, initiating guru, uh, was ill and asked him to do the worship of the deity at the final hour of the day. Hmm? And so Raghunatha said, very good, I will do that. And he saw that as his window. He worshipped the deity and everybody thought, well, he's worshipping the deity, you know, he'll be right back. And he went in the night. His going to Puri, not on the main road where he might be apprehended, but through the forest, through the farmlands and the jungles. It's something like if you've been to Audari or let's, it's like going over one of those hills and heading to San Francisco in the middle of the night, you know, just walk through the redwoods and, you know, it's like unbelievable. This is what he did. With no shoes, no food, he didn't pack a lunch. He didn't bring his sleeping bag. He didn't think for a moment, where will I sleep? Hmm? He forgot about sleeping, he forgot about eating. He slept in cow sheds along the way. And if people offered him some milk, he would take it. He was living and breathing for the association of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. This is Raghunath Das Goswami. When he arrived there, he got the company of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm? His parents gave up on him. He became his associate under the direction of Sarup Damodar. And it is to this Raghunathas that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu gave the Govardhan Shila that he himself had worshipped. Hmm? And there's a, in the Varnashram, the, the ordinary religious people, the Brahmins, who had a monopoly of sorts on religion, they sometimes like to claim, oh, well, Raghunathas, he was not a, from a Brahmin family, therefore he couldn't worship the Shalagram. So for the Chaitanya gave him this thing from Govardhan, you know, so, you know, something like that, without any real, real, real worship or anything, with all the ingredients and so forth. It was ingredient light, but it had uh, what the real element that is required that makes all the ingredients uh, tasty. It's like the salt, if you will. It's like love, bhakti. Hmm? If you prepare the whole meal with no salt, no matter how many spices you put in, it won't come out. So without any love. These things are just offered to Krishna are painful. Das had a full heart of love. He's our ideal in many respects. We should try to become greedy for love of God like that. Then Govardhan will really substantially come into our lives. And Govardhan, to conclude, in the Leela, he towers very high above Vrindavan, the implication of which is he sees everything. There's not one pastime of Krishna that he is unaware of. Vishwanachavartakura has said that all the hills of Vrindavan are in Sakyarasa. So, a reason to think that Govardhan is, uh, has a friendly relationship as Haridas Sparya, the best of Krishna's servants, and he likes to share that uh, wealth, if you will. Uh, he can show us anything about Krishna, Radha and Krishna, that uh, Christian Balram, anything you want to know, hmm? all in that stone. As Prabhupada said, what, do you think we're reading 60 books and just worshipping some stone? Hmm? <laughs> it may look like a pre-modern kind of animism, the worship of Govardhan and the stone and so forth. Yeah. It is that, and it's more than that, as I said this morning. That idea, primitive idea, it has, it has some value. Hmm? That is included within and much more the, 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 the theological, philosophical underpinnings of Govardhan Leela, what is the possibility that arises from 
worshiping of this stone. There used to be a the the, te- the the football team in San Francisco was famous in the 80s when I lived in San Francisco. They were winning all the awards, and across from the temple that we had was a it was a uh, sports bar. So every Sunday, right, we would have a program, and they would they would be up there like, you know, go you know team this kind of thing, and it was so we had to become aware of the standing of the San Francisco 49ers and get a you know we had to. And when in Rome, do as the Romans do, you know, to some extent. So, um, you know, you, you, you couldn't avoid it. The city was, first of all, was alive with it and whatnot. So uh, it came to pass that they, that, that one of those years, they, I guess they changed their stadium or something like that. And so I heard from the bar across the street that they were selling square feet of the turf, you know, to, to worship in your house. I said, I don't find that odd, <laughs> worshiping, you know, some ground. I thought, we do that too over here, the, you know, <laughs> at the temple. We worship stones too, and wherever Krishna has walked, you know, wherever the Joe Montana's cleats went or something like that, that was a big piece, you know. That was worth more. <laughs> so we're not that odd, as I, as I began. It seems a little weird here, maybe especially to the church across the street with the candles and the lights down and the songs and so forth. But there's some reasoning behind all of this. As much as we need, much thinking as we need, as I said, to soften our hearts. Diraj Govardhan ki jai. Simon Chaitanya Mahaprabhu ki jai. Gaur Bhaktabrinda ki jai. Gaur Premanandi. Any questions? Comments? What's the time? 8.32. Okay. Okay. How you talk about Lopa? Yeah. Well, but good association, really. This all a product of association. Hmm? Um, and hearing that kind, those kind of talks that 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 can clarify that ideal for us and so forth. Hmm? We may have a, we have a generally kind of a hazy idea, and then we find our guru, and then we kind of go in a systematic way of uh, pursuing love of God. And in the context of that, as we start to become more acquainted with the tattva of guru, guru tattva, guru devaya, vidmahe, hmm? krishnanandaya, dhimahi, then the ananda hmm? for Krishna that the guru possesses, that will become our meditation. As we understand the tattva, what is guru tattva? So this is a big topic in the Gaudiya, the international community, you know, since Prabhupada left, we have had to spend a lot of time speaking about that. So, some, so, and then in a broader sense, I think that you become acquainted with the tattva. Hmm? You, Prabhupada, for example, has given us so many books, and in those books there are references to so many other books. This is our whole um, literary um, you know, our, our canon, our, the, 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 the books of the Goswamis have been canonized. They're, they're scripture, they're, they're Shastra Gurus, these are the Bhakti Shastras. Gradually we become acquainted with those. You read Prabhupada's books and he references another book and that sort of becomes a, a, an arrow, you know, turn here, look at that book. If you want to find more about this, you go here and so forth. So by, by, by studying comprehensively hmm, the Goswamis' writings, if you have that capacity, 
hmm, that interest, which we should because we need to engage our intelligence in Krishna Bhakti, not just be busy. Hmm? And the books are there for that. Prabhupada used to emphasize it himself. When I was young, and uh, one of my godbrothers wrote to Prabhupada about my service for the first time, and said, Prabhupada wrote back and said, it's very good that he's distributing so many books, but make sure that he always reads them also. <laughs> it's a curious statement. I mean, I was reading them, and I had a... Uh, inclination for that, but a lot of people didn't, and it's apparent. And they're the ones who say, just read Prabhupada's books. They're obviously not reading them very well. <laughs> um, to think that other books, for example, that he referred to and drew his, um, his books are based upon, so were not uh, referenceable, readable, desirable, and so forth. So um, I think uh, with, uh, that will help acquaintance with the uh, with uh, the core text, the core material, and and sadhusanga, um, and of course I, we should say overall that the once I was speaking with Bhakti Pramod Puri Goswami Maharaj about loba, hmm, eagerness and eligibility for um, rag bhakti and so forth, which is a sadhana. Hmm, um, uh, it's a, it's a type of sadhana bhakti. Uh, we will consider ourselves ajata ruchi bhaktas, devotees who tread the rag marg, who haven't quite attained ruchi for the rag marg, which is what rag's all about in a sense. But by good association, then we become follower of someone who has ruchi or rati, and gradually will come within us. But um, I was talking with Pramod Puri Goswami Marsha about some people who were talking about loba in a way that I thought was inappropriate, and, and they would, they would um, kind of intellectualize themselves into thinking that they were fully qualified uh, to uh, uh, tread the rag marg as uh, as uh, Jataruchi or Raghunuga Bhaktas. But at any rate, uh, that happens sometimes. And uh, so anyway, Puri Goswami Marsha chuckled and he said. He said, one thing you should tell them, he said, Baba, is that there's no question of Raga Bhakti or Shuddha Bhakti without Shuddha Nam. If you cannot chant a holy name without offense, you will never attain that. So it might be good to focus on that. Hmm? Chanting without offense. Everything will come from that. It's like, that makes sense. That's pretty simple. <laughs> Uh, you know, because we we try to like get around that, we're not able to do that. So we just intellectualize ourselves, and we read some other books, and we and we think we've we've gone there, and we've got more information, and we talk about it, and other devotees think, well, he's high, he knows a lot of stuff, and and so on. But if he cannot chant without offense, cannot chant even attentively, you know, then this is a little bit like uh, counterfeit. It's worse than being a thief. You know? be a counterfeiter. So good association, focus on, on chanting, but in order to chant attentively, the first thing I was speaking about, studying the texts will be helpful. It, it, that is, that will give us more sambandagyan, more conceptual orientation. Then you know what you're doing more. So it's easier to pay attention and it kind of corners you. So, you know, Prabhupada spent a lot of time writing those books, right? Now, you know, Dulal Chandra reads the Bhagavatam once every 14 months. 
that's what I mean. That kind of, that's that means he's got interest in every. It takes about that long to read the. Whole, I guess he means Prabhupada's edition or something like that, up to the where Prabhupada left off, perhaps. I mean, not that he doesn't read the you know other commentaries of the balance, but. Um, so this is a good, you know, this is, you should replace the television in your life or whatever else uh, there, are, there might be out there. This is entertainment. This is, I mean, when these books were coming out from Prabhupada, it was like, wow, you know, we were just like, they were like bombs of, you know, uh, nectar and insight and so forth. And so, it, it, and, there, and now, in Gaudi Vaishnavism, other texts, core texts have come out. So don't think this is troublesome to study that and learn some terms. And, no, you should study that and read. That will be helpful. Okay, that's the silver bullet, though. Chant without offense. That's uh, that will get you there. It says that um, to chant, to not be inattentive is only Uh huh. Well. There's no, impossible is supposed to, not supposed to be in your dictionary or not that's not in your lexicon or by practice and a detachment yeah yeah you have to leave your dictionary from the other world behind there's a new dictionary here in this realm that word isn't there, so. Hmm? Yeah. Yeah, and also, of course, we can't. That's true, you're right. We can't do it. It's impossible for us. Therefore, we have to re- re- rely on something beyond our own limited prowess. That is the whole idea of bhakti. So, that then that is the spirit of the chanting. We are inviting Nam. I can't c- control my mind. I control it. I'm inviting Nam into my heart. Hmm? And then he will do that. He's so humble. He comes like a sweeper and sweeps the heart and cleanses it. And so this is the spirit of that. You, the spirit is right. I can't do it. This is impossible. You should think like that in one sense. This is impossible. Therefore, I have to reach beyond the realm of uh, you know, my possibilities unto myself. Hmm? I must get sadhu sangha. I must. Uh, uh, conduct myself in such a way that Nam will be pleased to enter and dance in the courtyard of my heart, something like that. Hmm? Therefore, Prabhupada would suggest that you chant with, you know, you should cry because you cannot cry while chanting. Hmm? I cry that I cannot cry from chanting. This is how Mahaprabhu said, you Nam nam akari bahudani desarva shakti stattarpita niyamita smarane nakala eta dishita bakripa bhagavan mamapi dudaivam idisha mihadini nanuraga dudaivam nanuraga my misfortune dudaivam is I have no rag no attachment for nam despite the fact that nam is so generous hmm. but uh, with a humble heart if I Think of the second verse of Chaitanya of, of Shikshastakam. Nam will stay with me. Hmm? He will stay with me despite my durdaivam, which means my offense, my inattentiveness, and so forth. Hmm? And over time, then, mind will be conquered, heart will be conquered, and then Krishna will be conquered. Jita Jitopiya Pichaisthirokyam. Sri Harinam Prabhu Kijaya. 
So I won't take up more of your time. I had a very nice visit here to North Carolina. We were very busy out at Saragrahi. So thank you all for those who were able to visit and lend a hand and, uh, and be inspired by the project. Hope to come back in the spring, probably in April, and uh, take it to another level, visit with all of you, and, uh, and uh, that way, by good association, I can progress in Krishna Bhakti. Hari Bhakti Ki Jai, Raj Gobadan Ki Jai, Ud Premanandi.